cold and frog. Will him back, tongue of dog. Adder's fork and blind worm's sting. Barbados lime is just the better. Fragger's sword like a sailor's stubble. Flip the switch and let the cauldron bubble. <laughs> Welcome to the Final Gold Podcast, where we explore the intersections of horror film and feminism. In this first series, we're bringing on special guests to dive deep into film and TV shows with witchcraft at the heart of them. I'm Anna, co-founder of The Final Ghost and your podcast host. Okay, warning. We're going to get cheesy in this episode. It's Valentine's Day, and I couldn't resist talking about one of my very own childhood favorites, Practical Magic. It's a mix of rom-com, horror, fantasy, drama, and it's weird as hell and very much peak 90s. The story centers on Sally and Gillian Owens, that's Sandra Bullock and Nicole Kidman, respectively. The latest in a long line of witches who bear a particular curse. Any man who dares to fall in love with an Owens woman will meet an untimely death. Sally is a sensible, introverted, and more powerful one of the two, while Gillian is fun-loving, seductive, and impulsive. When they grow up, Gillian leaves for Los Angeles while Sally stays in their sleepy seaside town with their two wisecracking, meddling aunts the very fantastic stalker Channing and Diane Weist. She falls in love with the local grocer, and of course he dies. Meanwhile, Gillian gets involved with an abusive, quote-unquote, Transylvanian cowboy, who they then accidentally kill, and then not so accidentally bring back to life. What follows is both a romance drama, horror film, and procedural thriller. It's a lot, and I love it. Not terribly successful upon release, but now having gained a cult following, it was criticized at the time for being too horror for a rom-com and too rom-com for a horror movie. A sort of hodgepodge of genres that critics and audiences at the time didn't quite get. When it was released in American cinemas in 1998, noted film critic Roger Ebert called it too scary for children and too childish for adults. On the one hand, you have cute witches making jokes about magic potions and herbal shampoos, and on the other hand, you have kidnapping by an abusive boyfriend who dies of an overdose, but not for long. Moldy evil spirits rise up from other people's bodies, and teaspoons stir on their own. There's a wonderful cheesy soundtrack, there's great 90s outfits, there's a drunken dance scene, there's some very creepy dudes, there's murder, necromancy, possession. I definitely encourage you to check it out for yourself. I'm joined in this episode by film critic and 90s rom-com pundit Rihanna Dillon to dive into the deeply enjoyable hot mess that is Practical Magic. Thank you so much for doing this, Rihanna. Not at all. I'm excited. Thank you for asking me. I love that you are now the go-to person for non-horror horror films. I am very happy to be that person. Honestly, I'm <laughs> delighted that you're not making me watch terrifying horror films. You know, give me a while. We're still getting to know each other. <laughs> Ease me in. Uh, no, I was... Oh, honestly, this is a film that I didn't know about. So not only was I really pleased that it's not like an out-and-out horror, but also the fact that it introduces me to like a whole new cult film which I feel like I should definitely have seen I know and I love that I grew up on this film Mm -hmm. and I've loved it since I was a preteen and you hadn't seen it so tell me about your first or heard of it I'm really sorry I mean (laughs) I still I 
I still really want to like you. <laughs> okay, but think of it this way. You introduced me to practical magic. Yeah, okay. That will always okay. be you now. Yes, okay. Fine. Like people Good. are like, Thank you. Rihanna, I mean, how did you come by practical magic? And I'd be like, it was all the work of Anna. <laughs> <laughs> so what did you think? You watched it for the first time. Yeah. Um, so I was absolutely thrilled that it was Sandra Bullock. Um, because I love her, especially this Sandra Bullock era as well. I think she's just the, like so beautiful. She has that perfect combination of like being girl next door and quite sexy in a knows it, but not in a um, arrogant kind of way. Still just just very wholesome, I suppose. She's like very wholesome in these sorts of films. Um, and then Nicole Kidman, who I thought was kind of, I mean, I thought, she, yeah, she was, we see less of her and we see less of her, especially at the beginning. Um, so when she comes into it and she's so like that sort of badass, um, doesn't give two fucks about anything kind of character, which kind of threw me, but loved it. I think it worked really, really well because... I guess her edge is actually quite a nasty edge. Okay. Nicole Kidman's character. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wasn't expecting it to go quite so dark with her. But I really enjoy that they went there. And what about the other characters? I, so I wrote some notes and I, <laughs> I've written, OMG, the men <laughs> in capital letters. <laughs> because like as each one came into it, I was like, Holy fuck. Um, I mean, I was actually talking about the aunts, but yeah, let's go there. (laughs) (laughs) I see where your mind is today. (laughs) I mean, I watched this this morning and I haven't stopped thinking about one scene in particular. Okay, okay. We can go with the aunts though, because Stockard Channing, I mean, Stockard Channing is just wonderful in everything. And she's always like the best character in everything. But what I love about this is her character um, of Aunt Frances is that it sort of feels to me like a precursor to her character in The Good Wife, where she plays this like rebellious alcoholic. And she just fits this role so well, where she has this real kind of, you know, kindly nature about her. She's actually quite nurturing in the film to a certain extent, but then equally is a witch. And is super sassy and, and snappy. And so sassy. And her and Diane Weist's uh, relationship is is just spot on like they've got mm. such good chemistry and they balance each other out um but not to the extent of it being good witch bad witch like that's not you know it's never no. like they're more like bickering sisters that have lived together for a very very long time oh my god what are, what's the name of those two sisters the twins in the simpsons patty and selma in the simpsons patty and selma yes <laughs> it's like with a fag hanging out of there except it's like yeah. Yeah, like a cauldron hanging off one of their arms. or Yeah, I mean, they do smoke, but they have that, they smoke in those like elongated holder filter yeah. holder thingies that yeah. make them like look... Like Corella Deville yes. smoke. And they look very bougie and sort yeah. of like they're not actually smoking. And they, they just, they sort of um, transcend eras as mm. well. Like, gen- like they dress like 19th century with these fabulous like bonnets and dresses and parasols just walking around like I don't know middle America or but then have like Joan Collins hair <laughs> yeah. which is like a great combination yes. it's so true it was just really weird seeing them and then like Sandra Bullock dance prancing around in these little denim like 90s shorts and I was like hold on what's happening here but yeah I, I thought they were brilliant and but to come back to what you really wanted to talk about <laughs> 
the men. <laughs> OMG, OMG the men. <laughs> so like, first of all, when, who is it? It's, oh, Mark Furst, Fur, I can never pronounce his name. Furstein? Furstein? Oh, yeah. I always thought, I always confused him with the guy who played the stalker dude in Love Actually. I always thought it was the same Andrew guy. Lincoln. Yeah. Well, that that's really interesting because Andrew Lincoln was like my number one pinup as a mm. teenager in teachers specifically, um, Channel 4 drama teachers. And you're so right, he does look like him. And it's cle- I've clearly got a massive type here because <laughs> as soon as he came on screen, I was like, oh my God, it's that guy who was also in In Her Shoes. Yes. He sort of has that sexy nerd thing going on in in her shoes, especially. And in this, he 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 doesn't really speak. He doesn't really no. have any dialogue. He really is much more of an object, isn't he? Yeah, he's just like a sexy husband. Yeah, he's very much kind of husband material, yes. like hunky but approachable. Yeah, does a lot of manual labor. He's always lifting boxes. Oh my god! So all those apples, yeah. <laughs> and I love that I didn't clock this until I became older really but Sandy Bullock just sees him yeah likes him Uh and then about three minutes later they're married with two kids (laughs) it's so funny we do we don't really get to hear him speak no he literally has no lines and because she like glances at him and then trips over and then the aunts put a spell on her Mm -hmm. to just make her a little bit more it's not like a love potion is it i think it's more to make her a bit more confident i think they put a spell on them both to sort of like connect together together. yeah i mean you know it gets a bit sad because you know he does die but at one point i think they just wanted to get her to sleep with someone yeah that's all they wanted they wanted her to have sex the aunts yeah 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 Oh yeah, oh yeah. I mean, <laughs> oh, I'm now just just fantasizing about this actor. He's just really, again, perfect He's guy next peak. door. Yeah, they're like they're really they're a really great looking couple together. And then when she like runs towards him in the street, and is it like Faith Hills? Yes, it is. His kiss. Oh, and then she jumps on him, and he holds her, and it's so like teenage fantasy dream isn't it it's like the sort of cinema kiss that you would imagine a teenage girl would fantasize about not a grown-ass woman but it still works (laughs) now that we've both seen that that's all i'm gonna be thinking about but also i have i have quite a fear of um like being lifted like it's just like a phobia like i really hate being lifted off the ground so i whenever i see other women doing that like in films i'm like Oh, they're so like light and waif-like, and if I did that to someone, I'd break their back and, <laughs> and crush their skull when they fell over. So that that for me, that genuinely is a fantastical element of just I could never do that in real life ever. And the other man in this, yes. Um, <laughs> so um, when Aidan Quinn comes on, I mean, first of all, I've I've always had a bit of a penchant for a sexy detective. Anyway, who doesn't? Right. Um, when he comes on, I was like, oh, really? Why do you say that? Is, did you first meet Aiden Queen? I mean, on screen as kind of an older man. Yeah. Okay. Because I first saw him in this and he's always remained the hunky Southern detective for right. me. Right. Okay. Fair enough. But even in that, he's still quite... How old is he in it, do you think? Do you know what, like, what seems wild? I think wild? he's nearly 40 or something. You know what seems wild? What? The fact that they're sort of age appropriate. <laughs> No, because Sandy and Nicole in this are not 22. 
<laughs> so this is yeah yeah fair I mean still bloody young yeah. <laughs> um but yeah so Aiden Quinn what I really liked about him so with the other guy it was like an immediate like fuck yeah I see it as mm-hmm. did she mm-hmm. with with Aiden Quinn's character it was like this slow build up like this slow burn of tension and flirting and just so much chemistry um, and that sort of forbidden interest in each other because obviously Sandra Bullock's character is a prime suspect in a murder case that he's investigating. All of this is like a million shades of wrong. And yet, again, that tension, that build-up is so hot that when the payoff comes, it's even more worth it and it makes so much more of an impact than the first one for me like that made everything go tingly when (laughs) (laughs) that's the scene that you're talking about come on they're in the bedroom they're in the bedroom she's basically just confessed to him that she's killed (laughs) Goran Viznit's character and um Jimmy that she's just confessed that her and um her sister have killed Jimmy and he turns off like this microphone to sort of say don't talk without a lawyer now but look I can help you and they're getting closer and closer and then he just like rams her against a wall and snogs her face off and it's just (laughs) again it's like that 90s wet dream kiss that it's just so charged and so naughty and incredibly passionate and I really miss seeing kisses like that in on screen because it just or maybe it's because it does have that nostalgia linked to it although I didn't see it like you did when Mm -hmm. I was a kid I saw enough films growing up that immediately took me back to seeing those sorts of kisses for the first time and how exciting they were and how I couldn't wait to be a grown-up so I could kiss like that you know (laughs) yeah no I do know (laughs) but you had all this when you were growing up so I I have to admit I did not focus so much on the kissing oh it's all the it was all the witch it was all the magic (laughs) that was a nerd (laughs) Yeah, I, was, I was all about the kissing. <laughs> <laughs> but I do remember the... Because one of the really interesting things about kind of Sally, who is Sandy Bullock's character, mm-hmm. and Gillian, who's Nicole Kidman's character, is that all they want to do is fall in love. Yeah. That's kind of their whole driving purpose. Mm-hmm. It's not who they are. They are very different types of women, and they do different stuff, and they lead their own separate lives. But even kind of the whole... Um, you know, we'll get to the magic in a bit, but mm. their whole driving force is we want to fall in love. Yeah. But their approach to love is very different. And the spell that Sally casts as a teenage girl, mm-hmm. super fucking cute. Oh my God. Like, it was adorable. But it was also, wasn't that as a. A, a sort of um, a defense mechanism yeah yeah like she she made up the ideal man that could not exist yeah. for her mm-hmm. and Aiden Quinn was that man you will hear my call a mile away you will whistle my favorite song you can ride a pony backwards what are you doing summoning up a true love spell called Amas Veritas he can flip pancakes in the air be marvelously kind. His favorite shape be a star. And he'll have one green eye. 
blue. Thought you never wanted to fall in love. It's the point. The guy I dreamed up doesn't exist. And if he doesn't exist, I'll never die of a broken heart. Uh, which is, I mean, adorable. That payoff was gorgeous, and I can't, really and was. I also wasn't really expecting it, mm -hmm. stupidly. Um, but I don't, it was just so incredibly sad for me seeing this little girl mm. already not wanting to get her hopes up too high because of what's happened to her parents, and you know, there's this history, mm -hmm. you know, family of all the men dying. Um, and so just that that I thought was like a real like tragic, even though it's like a really beautiful moment, it it was so isolating for this poor little girl. I felt so sorry for her. I mean, go on, <laughs> say it, do it. I used to do that thing when I was a little girl. <laughs> Did you make up like the perfect man though, thinking that you'd never get him? Surely not. I can't remember. Oh, whatever, bollocks. <laughs> Absolute bollocks. <laughs> Come on. What I was just, the spell? I did the same thing that uh -huh. they do in the movie. I saw this film in cinemas when, wow. it, when it was out. I would okay. saw it as like a horror film. So I was a little bit scared. Oh, okay. And it was scary because there's a whole lot of like violence. Yeah. Um, there's, you know, a resurrection. There's a zombie. There's uh -huh. ghosts uh -huh. and shit. Like it's got horror elements to yeah, it. Yeah. But then I remember the little spell thing that I had on a VHS. Oh. No, I DVD. Just picture like a little Anna like in I front did. of it with your bowl of petals. I did do it in front of my window in my in my childhood bedroom. <laughs> I did have to just duck, duck, throw the petals. Throw them, yeah. They wouldn't float, <laughs> which I found excruciating and sad. <laughs> You've just done it on a really windy day. I tried. Oh. They didn't float. Oh, such but a I shame. was convinced I was a little witch because of just how much I fucking love this That's movie. So cute. So it had a or real isolating. impact on you. <laughs> no. I didn't mean about the spell itself. Hey, we've all been there. <laughs> but I mean more just, yeah, about the, the tragedy, the reasons behind that. Yeah. But I think that's adorable that you used oh. to do that. When did you stop doing that? Who said I did? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm more of a Jillian now, though. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've been out with you, I know. <laughs> okay, first of all, by the way, the fucking talent in this film is out of control. Yeah. Because the, the baby girls, baby girls, no, they're preteen girls, are Camille Bell and, um, well, Evan Rachel Wood plays Sandy Bullock's daughter later on. Yeah, but Kylie, yeah. The teen girls who play kind of the younger versions of Sally and Jillian... Mm. They instantly already kind of, you see their different personalities based on, you know, Sally says, I never want to fall in love. And she does that whole spell. Yeah. And Julian is like, oh, I can't wait. Yeah. I can't wait to break <laughs> some hearts and kill some men <laughs> in a roundabout way, which is quite interesting. Yeah. Yeah. They, yeah they had very clear, defined yeah. roles. What did you think about feisty Nicole Kidman in this? You go on such a journey with her character, with um, with Gillian, because I, when the film started, you know, I knew there were going to be some dark elements, but I wasn't expecting that to be domestic violence. And although from the beginning, you know, Goran um, Viznitz, who I loved in ER, like I was very excited that he was in this film as well. Um, <laughs> but from the off, you know, it's because there's like that element of S&M in there, 
relationship, like the first thing you see is him blindfolding her. And I mean, it's all very hot, very sexy. Um, but you know, he's a bad boy mm-hmm. from the off. He's oh, got she black even, hair. Bad she boy. even tells that. Yeah. Yeah. He's, like, he's a bad boy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, like you say, he's got black hair. Yeah. Like that's <laughs> he's got black is. hair and rings. <laughs> And probably a bit of eyeliner as well. And he smokes. Uh, It's very bad. He's so beautiful. He does look great smoking though. He does. It's disgusting. Also (laughs) black hair, blue eyes. Yes. Also, he was in like last week's episode of Doctor Who. (laughs) (laughs) Was he? Yeah. So I hadn't seen him on screen Uh since probably ER. So you haven't seen him as like young? Well, I think he's fairly young in ER. But not this young. Okay. Um, definitely not this young. So yeah, it was quite weird seeing him like twice at different mm-hmm. stages of his career within like a week. Um, very sexy, obviously, but as I say, a bad boy, naughty. And, uh, but then you, you think, oh, that's, that's great. That's cool. That's fine. Until he suddenly becomes like a really nasty, evil piece of work. Um, what I loved about Gillian is that she, you know, the first time this happens to her, that he hits her, mm. she calls for help. Like, there isn't a pattern of abuse that she's like trying to cover up or hide. Like mm. you get the impression that the very first time it happened, she rings her sister. Yeah. And she even says to the cop, like, if you touch me once, I'm out of there. Yeah. Essentially. Which I think actually is a really powerful, mm-hmm. like important message that I don't think we see enough in films. Often we see um, victims of domestic abuse and violence um, go through it again and again. Yeah, you see and the pattern. Course, yeah, yeah, and of course that does happen. Um, but I just think it was a really great message to send. You know, it's horrendous that it happens at all. But if it happens, leave immediately. Yeah. Um, and then of course they they kill him, which also a great message. Jillian's <laughs> <laughs> whole relationship with Jimmy is quite toxic from the very start because. You know, she wants him. But once again, we get that, again, very interesting vibe for Mm -hmm. a 90s horror rom-com that it's the women who sort of spot the men and they're like, I want that. Yeah. And I'm going to have that. Yeah. And then they get them sort of, we never see them flirt. We never see them establish a relationship. Mm -hmm. We just see, we just go full on into it. Yeah. Which I think we're much more used to seeing kind of male characters Uh get the women in that way sort of wordlessly. It's true. Jillian and Jimmy, even when she's sort of boasting about their relationship, which mm-hmm. is mostly sexual anyway, yeah. she's like, oh, yeah, I drug him sometimes so I can get some sleep. Yeah, because the sex is too frequent and too much. And yeah, I know. No, I don't know why she's complaining. But still. <laughs> <laughs> still. <laughs> Fine. Okay. But you're right. Like, again, that was a line. I was like, oh, Nicole. Angela, what kind of name is that? Bulgarian. <laughs> Bulgarian? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's from somewhere near Transylvania. <laughs> he has his whole uh, Dracula cowboy thing about him. He's just so intense. I mean, <laughs> he talks about our relationship in terms of centuries. Sometimes we just stay up all night worshipping each other. Like bats. Thank God for Jet's Belladonna. I'd never get any sleep. Why are you taking that stuff? I'm not using it. I'm just giving it to him every now and then, that's all. 
So you're you're drugging your boyfriend to get a little shut eye? Like Nicole having all the sex and you know reveling in it. I just think it's so great that we're seeing that yeah. Eve, like in those like nineties films, you're hearing and seeing about women enjoying sex. However, there is that element of the the, the sexy one or mm. the one that's having the sex has to be punished. Yeah, which um, is problematic. Very problematic. Yeah, <laughs> and the fact that you know we're going to talk about the whole film, kind of spoilers and included, but the fact that she does then get into this abusive sort of relationship yeah. and absolutely agree with you she does call for help the minute it happens but then also she's the one who insists on resurrecting jimmy mm-hmm. i'm not quite sure whether that's more to avoid being punished for a crime yeah or because she wants him back regardless so when she tries to um like wake him up in the car and she seems really desperate for mm. him to be awake or to get with it i was a bit like just leave him like why he's just been trying to strangle you you've mm-hmm. got every reason to try to kill him so that that felt more like about their relationship whereas when she actually resurrects him i was like oh it's just because they can say well he's got a heartbeat now so i'm not i didn't murder yeah. him and she does also say as soon as he is alive, I'm going to break up with him. <laughs> she immediately says that. <laughs> I'm dumping him as soon as he's awake. Um. Okay, Jimmy. I will get you out of this. But when I do, we are definitely breaking up. It is over. And so again, it's like a bit flippant, mm. but you sort of hope that there isn't any other motivation there. What do you think about the way that the film presents these women's relationship with death anyway? The whole Owen's curse is that any man that falls in love with an Owen's woman will die mm-hmm. prematurely. And, you know, even Jillian's Jimmy dies for, you know, due to, well, murder. Yeah. What do you think about kind of their relationship with grief and death and that trauma? Because Sally, I found in particular, sort of really blames magic and their family and their sort of magical legacy on losing her husband and her father yeah there is like she absolutely rejects magic because um that's and understandably like Mm. if that's the reason why her father and then the love of her life has been killed um it is yeah it's it is really i mean again it's their story is so tragic from the beginning when you see um maria Marie abandoned on this island waiting for her love to come to her and he never does. She builds him a fucking house <laughs> and he doesn't turn up. He fucking ghosted her. What a prick. <laughs> she built a house pregnant on an island after surviving a hanging. I mean... Sorry, now that I'm older, I'm like, excuse me. Yeah. For more than 200 years, we Owens women have been blamed for everything that has ever gone wrong in this town. Is that why people hate us so much, Aunt Frances? They don't hate us, sweetheart. We just, we make them a little nervous. Let's face it, Chet. We Owens women have always created a stir. It all began with your ancestor, Maria. She was a witch. The first in our family. And you, my darlings, are the most recent in a long and distinguished line. Is that why they wanted to hang her? Because she was a witch? 
Well, the fact that our Aunt Maria was a bit of a heartbreaker didn't help. Nor did it help that most of her lovers had wives on a hanging committee. But no, I don't think it was either of those reasons. They feared her because she had a gift. A power that has been passed on to you children. She had the gift of magic. It's horrendous. And so, like, of course she's going to hate it. But it's interesting how she hates men and uses her magic. And then all these generations later, um, it's Sally who hates magic and craves men. Hmm. And Do you think love. Maria hates men or she just hates the feeling of needing someone else that bad that she herself would feel the heartbreak? Well, I guess she, the fact that she puts a curse on her entire lineage. Yeah. It means that everyone else will have to go through the heartbreak that she feels. Mm -hmm. So actually it's, it's a huge punishment on the females as much as the men. Yeah, you are right. In the, in the, in the line. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's the nastiest act almost within the film, even though it's born out of something so sad and tragic and you know that desperation and fury and again isolation um and i suppose you're you know just in that moment she's not thinking about 400 years later yeah this is what's still going also on. just assuming that every single owens woman is going to be straight well that's also what came up in my head quite a lot in this mm -hmm. because i wondered it yeah I wondered if they were going to take it down. I was like, oh, no, it's the 90s. No, they're not. <laughs> no. Am I right in assuming that you're a big 90s rom-com fan? Yes. How do you think this film fits into those? I into think that there moment? is so much. I don't want to say, I don't mean like tropes, but there are a lot of similarities. There are a lot of overlaps. Um, there are a lot of things that I recognised, uh, which I, in a really positive way, like... The midnight margaritas scene. I just thought that was a perfect 90s rom-com moment because it wasn't about the men. It wasn't about love. It was about the females in the family. It was about the aunts and the, the two lots of sisters, the aunts and the nieces, just coming together in that moment with booze and dancing. And it just made me so happy. It, honestly, I just it was like euphoric. It was... And like the lime and the coconut, like kind of going on in the background. Yeah, yeah. It was just really unexpected. And so like these moments amongst like all quite, you know, deep and um, stuff that really has a message and something to say, you do get these moments of silliness. And I think that's really important. You know, they were actually drunk when you were filming that. No, I did not yeah. know that really. Yeah, yeah, they were. <laughs> it makes it so much better. I mean, I just love, I just always want Stockard Channing to be a bit drunk. Yes. So I think that's when she's at her best. <laughs> and what do you think? I mean, that's such a beautiful moment in the film, but it says also a lot of things about sort of sisterhood and female communities mm -hmm. and those spaces. What did you make of those? I think what they did with the they the kind of they set up. I mean, it was a little bit over the top. But um, when they set up how the whole of the village like shuns Sally for being a witch and how all these like years later, the children are still singing the same songs. Yeah, the um, witch, witch, you're a bitch. Yeah. yeah. 
And, you know, and Sally's just like, you'd think they'd have thought of a better rhyme by now. Um, and so the fact that that hatred is handed down to children, I mean, I mean, I think that's quite an important message now. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so there's that aspect of all these women and mothers judging her as a mother and as a woman. Um, but then, you know, that turns on its head when they become her coven. And that's what I think is... That was such a great finale, which I didn't, again, didn't see coming. Um, but just having all of these women, including uh, Margot Martindale, character actress. <laughs> if, yes. you, if we watch Bojack, and it's very exciting. And Chloe Webb as well. Yes. Who was most famously Nancy instead of Nancy. Of course. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, just so having these women come together in a moment of crisis because... There's a bit of curiosity, but also the fact that another woman has asked for their help. And so whatever their background, whatever their circumstances, whatever's, you know, all the shit that they've gone through in the past, that another woman asking for help brings them all together. I loved that. <laughs> what a great ending. And I love that. Um, well, no. What did you think of the fact that in order for them to come together to help Sally and the Owens... Sally had to quote unquote come out as a witch so kind of embrace oh yeah they actually rumors. use that term yeah. don't they come yeah. out um that was that was a I don't know that was a bit weird because I thought she already they all sort of knew that she was anyway so the fact that she yeah she had to come out I mean we're recording this on the day that Philip Schofield has come out mm-hmm. and so that's been in the news a lot and we've been talking about the fact that the, the, I don't want to say the fuss that's been a, a, around it, but it's like in this day and age, the fact that it's beca- it's a news item, it's been a news item from morning till night about the fact that a man is gay is actually, it's still quite frustrating as though that's newsworthy, a man's sexuality, it absolutely mm-hmm. shouldn't be. Um, so there is that element of that within the film, I guess, of just like, did she have to? Because I thought we all knew that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't mean that about Philip Schofield, but I mean about how you know, she's, they've all called her a, a witch. She's, mm. So I guess the fact that she has to embrace it herself, I don't know. I had mixed feelings about that. Yeah, I think that's probably next to the fact that this is an, I mean, it's extremely white, it's extremely straight mm-hmm. as a film. Those are the things that kind of have aged less well mm-hmm. about it, but also kind of place it very much in and of its time yeah in, yeah yeah very nice and that you know might be the only way that it even implies that there might be other sexualities it's not just white women falling in love with white mm-hmm. men mm-hmm. basically which yeah. is what the owens seem to do yeah. <laughs> yes and then get punished for it yeah moving on kind of to more the genre bending stuff mm-hmm. so it feels very 90s rom-com yeah but then it has quite a lot of horror elements to mm-hmm. it as well. And one of the things that was quite interesting of reading the reviews all the time about it was mm. that people didn't really seem to know what to make of it at mm-hmm. that time. I think one of the really interesting reviews was by Roger Ebert, who called it too scary for children and too childish for adults. And sort of that it went from romance to horror to comedy mm-hmm. way too much. So you could never really make anything out of it right what did you think about the way that it mixed all of those genres i am always a fan of mixing it up when it comes to genres i mean look at parasite <laughs> so also recording this on the day that parasite is out 
Oh yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Go see it. Um, I think it's always. I think it's really important that we we don't box in our films. And you know, some films do lend themselves really easily to one genre. Fine, but the fact that this crossover was so appealing to little Anna, <laughs> you know, like the fact that you have all these layers to something that you get these messages through. So you might go and see it for the horror. You might go and see it for the rom-com and then you'll leave having sort of through osmosis or whatever taken in, um, these tropes or ideas that you wouldn't necessarily come across if you don't seek out those genres. So I think that's really important. And I loved I loved the fact that it it's kind of woven in between where and, and the, the magic that they like the, the 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 fact that it's you know that horror I suppose it seems quite gentle to start with because it's like potions and love spells. But then when it becomes about raising the dead and it becomes about ghosts or zombies and I think for me like the turning point is like when um the is it Kylie or Antonia one of the daughters sees right Kylie it's Kylie Kylie. it's it's baby Evan Evan Rachel okay so when she sees Jimmy in the garden and the roses Mm -hmm. and I I got that that was a really creepy moment Goosebumps. goosebumps literal goosebumps it's incredibly creepy because that's when danger kicks in even mm. more like we've had the the domestic abuse by that point um but it hasn't been supernatural so you know can you know there's only within that circle of where it can go mm-hmm. as soon as it becomes supernatural you don't know um what he can do where if he's going and the fact that she can see him the adults can't does that mean he's then going to target the children and that it becomes really frightening um so yeah and that image of that Kylie sees we get uh, like a couple shots very quick shots of it of sort of uh she looks at him through the window Mm. so he's not fully in focus no but it's just this man standing in their garden Mm -hmm. watching that's such a creepy image especially for women yeah I mean so like last week I got followed home from the train station and I he like followed me right to my door to the gate of my flats and I didn't want to go inside because I didn't want him to know that I lived there but just that image has really stayed with me of him outside it's like a fucking vampire Mm -hmm. standing outside the gate of my Mm -hmm. house just staring at me and it's horrible because it's so there's this real territorial thing about it and that's kind of Jimmy has this real territorial thing about Jillian you know he's like you're mine you I want what's he say I want you to be my wife yeah and he tries to brand her at one point oh my god yeah he heats up his his ring ring, and tries to physically brand her skin as if she were cattle that belonged to him a possession yeah because he's got this obsession with sort of the 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 wild west Mm -hmm. and fancies himself like a like a vampire cowboy in a way It's fucking freak. It's terrifying. Yeah. But it's interesting that they did that with all... Because actually, if you turn that on its head, it could be quite a romantic image of this guy in the garden in a white shirt, a loose white shirt, um, surrounded by red roses. That's a really romantic image, which they've just completely turned on its head and made it into like the most frightening sort of almost home invasion thing. You're so right. And it's it's interesting that it is... 
I think also a particularly frightening image for women yeah. because women are usually much more subjected to mm-hmm. that staring, stalking, yeah. following yeah. of trying to invade your space, yeah. physical or whatever it is. Um, Which is why then it's so like powerful when he does physically invade Gillian's space, i.e. her body. Her body. Like when he, that bit when she's just, she's in the bed and her, you know, it's like the exorcist moment mm-hmm. and she's just trying to like purge herself of this monster. And I just didn't, again, I wasn't expecting that sort of element. It crosses so many, like it kind of ticks mm-hmm. so many little boxes of horror, but not in a way that it's like trying to have its cake and eat it. I think it makes sense in the way that they sort of tell the story of him. Mm-hmm and why he's doing it and it's interesting as well that he so when they first they kill him in his car they mm. take him back to their house and they tr- they perform the resurrection mm. spell or ritual but not i mean that already is quite gory because they have to they're getting ready they don't quite do it no to oh, stick so pins glad they didn't. in his eyes <gasps> that's pretty gory <sighs> for a film like this yeah but like they don't do it and then they kill him again, bury him in the garden, still on their property. Mm. But like their house is such a protective yeah. space yeah. that when then the fact that they've sort of sullied it mm. with this. And I love that the aunts leave because they're like, I wanted you to did ask that, you about you this. did that in our house. Because I was like, they have to bear some of the responsibility because they brought up their, these children in this space where mm-hmm. they're you know they're seeing magic they're seeing them killing animals and resurrecting them and all the rest of it and so i was i was like are you fucking kidding me they're literally leaving them in the lurch when jillian they're both quite fucked up because their parents died so young um jillian's really messed up in the way that she's just been through this horrendous trauma and sally's husband has died and she's been depressed for weekend yeah. for months yes. and she's got two teenage daughters two as well. young girls and you're leaving them now and i'm we're supposed to think like this isn't like solidarity and i was just, i was really shocked <laughs> i was genuinely like what the fuck do you think you're doing honestly i was furious i love to see it <laughs> i can say that i remember being that furious <laughs> i really was because i was going through in my head like these like you know the mother figures again like the maternal kind of because you know the guys have never lasted long enough so <laughs> they, we only really get maternal figures in this and they have they've just left their yeah. children kind of to teach them a lesson devastated <laughs> it really was <laughs> i think we should talk about the house because the house is unbelievable mm-hmm. personally that house i've never even wanted to live in a house that's the only house I would want to really? live in. Yeah. I'm always I, a, a I, flat loft person. Uh-huh. And then I wanted to live in a house because I have, oh my God, maybe it comes from this film. This is like a psychoanalysis oh my, session well, right now. I love this. I hate the idea of someone being possibly outside my window looking in. Right. So you don't want to be on a ground floor ever? Ever. Really? Never lived on a ground floor. Uh-oh. Terrifies me. Interesting. Terrifies me. And maybe it fucking stems from this film. Maybe. <laughs> oh my God, you keep expecting Goran Vizhnik to like just turn up in his white shirt and stand I mean, outside your window. I would not kick him out. <laughs> <laughs> me neither. But no, you're right. Like the, 
what the the shot that really stayed with me is the um the stairs because mm. they do this really sort of like hypnotic um but where they you know the camera sort of like pans upwards it's, it's the vertigo shot yeah where it's doing the, the zoom in the and, the, and the, the focus sound or the other yeah. way around yeah um and that's when you realize like the scale of the house and then there's the whole idea of like the attic and everything that happens up there the fact that when they resurrect him, it's in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. Um, Best kitchen ever. Really lovely kitchen. What a breakfast bar. <laughs> what a sink. <laughs> and the um, the conservatory. Yeah. The one where they grow all the herbs and the plants. Oh yes. Yeah. And it's yeah. Just like the sort of, of greenhouse plants. that's yes. attached to it. Yeah. Oh. And when <laughs> when Sally's <laughs> just like, they're just herbs. <laughs> <laughs> fantastic what would you make kind of about the way the witches are presented in here we only really have the owens mm-hmm. and we kind of are led to assume that they're the only witches in their community mm-hmm. but they all sort of have the same vibe mm-hmm. except jillian although it's interesting to then sort of get the owens look at the end of the film mm-hmm. it's sort of like very earthy yeah very like we were describing before like long flowing dresses lots mm-hmm. of lace lots of gloves yeah lots of old kind of antique jewelry Mm -hmm. lots of necklaces big hats (laughs) (laughs) yeah how does this kind of fit into the way that we because this film also transcends um, genres Mm -hmm. and it's not so much a horror it takes a lot kind of from other Mm. more female oriented films or more even childlike depictions of Mm -hmm. of witches how do you think that fits into other witch films that you've seen well it really reminded me so much of sabrina i mean obviously like with the aunts um bringing up their niece who is also a witch with the black cat roaming around um so that and also the fact that the aunts are kind of kooky and not at all kind of like nasty apart from leaving them um or <laughs> like just very sweet like amiable um approachable women who really care about the like the love life and like they're also just like n- classic aunts like i see one of my aunts she's like so when are you getting married <laughs> you know it's classic um so they definitely have got that um element about them so that's quite gentle thing and also I, again like we talked about like that the sort of wicker mm-hmm. um way of practicing magic and I like that it's not wands and mm. um I mean don't get me wrong I love all that as well I know you trust me but um I think it works really well for this where she's they're always having to sort of exist in plain sight in their community. So the things that they do are, you know, much more natural based. The fact that she's opened this shop, which is all about the products that she's like growing and um, it's very organic. And But the things that she does, like she can't help herself just because she is incredibly powerful, even though she's tried to, um, Sally's character, ev- Sally, even though she's tried to like repress all the magic for so long, she'll still just stir her tea magic with magic you know like that yes. happens a few times in the film yeah and um just little moments like that where it's just uh just it's just can't be helped mm-hmm. and but there's no um fuss made about it or pizzazz or sparks or whatever like when um Gillian comes into the the school and Sally's name is at the top of mm-hmm. all of the trees we don't see that happen it's just there 
And just, I, I really like that the magic was never portrayed in a really like ostentatious way until perhaps the end mm-hmm. with like the massive flash of light in a circle. But you needed that to be ceremonial mm-hmm. and ritualistic um, because it's a very cathartic moment. And it's kind of a communal yeah. coven moment where more women, that's not just the Owens, yeah. embrace helping Jillian. Yeah, and it's interesting that the magic is, even though these women aren't magic, that they can further the power mm. of the Owens. But I find I find the relationship of the of the sisters to power and their power being magic really interesting because Jillian is the one who really craves it, mm-hmm. but we're told that she doesn't have as much natural mm. power as Sally does and like you say it just sort of exudes from Sally mm-hmm. she, things will just happen around her because she's not directing it towards anything mm-hmm. but it just will happen but most witch films have or series mm. like Sabrina will just have these grand schemes yeah. and stakes where you know if you don't do this mm-hmm all of humanity will be doomed or <laughs> yes. you're going to be queen of hell or this other really big shit will happen. But this yeah. is more like, oh, it's, even the even the fact that their husbands or partners will die mm-hmm. still feels quite small, small stakes. Very family-based yeah. within the family. Yeah, it's, it's a very domestic film, um, as you say, on that sort of scale. The fact that we're in the kitchen a lot, in the home a lot. And also the fact that you see the women at the end literally sweeping this mm. man out of their house i thought was quite an interesting image of um domesticity you know that's that thing of witches and their brooms mm-hmm. but then they're used to sweep ashes out not to fly with and you know things like that so yeah you're right there isn't there isn't some massive thing that will happen to everybody in the village also we never find out if um the kid that the children wish to get chicken pox mm-hmm. gets chicken pox he does does he yeah oh i didn't see this there's i was like a, waiting for there's it there's a scene it. where we see him and he's completely covered in oh my god in i missed spots. that amazing yeah. okay yeah. great they do so like fuck that kid again that like every kid has chicken pox so it's not like it's a life-threatening disease it's not anything like horrendous that's cursed on him it's just the fact that he just gets an ordinary illness like wishing a cold on someone yeah. like it's just really it's actually quite sweet like that she doesn't do anything worse considering mm. that that's her power <laughs> so again quite every day even when they're cursing people <laughs> you know doesn't Never. strike him dead which i'd have been quite tempted to do if someone <laughs> if someone had been chanting at me and calling me a bitch for like 10 minutes you would have absolutely slayed the aunts if they <laughs> left you with an undead zombie abusive ex-boyfriend staring at you through However your window he was yeah <laughs> I mean, problematic Bane. <laughs> so much. So much. Um, I have to do a presentation on problematic Bane. He's going to be fucking on there. Oh, God, he's going to be double the list. I know. Do you think that might be one of the reasons why it hasn't really clicked with, I was tempted to say, with anyone except me? <laughs> <laughs> do you think that might be one of the reasons why it hasn't really clicked with the horror crowd or even the rom-com crowd? Like, I'm the horror kind. You're the rom-com kind. And you hadn't heard of this Hadn't heard of it, no. So it kind of slipped through the cracks from both ends. Yeah, it really has. Like, it's never on those lists that you read. It's never talked about in the same way as things like... Well, you know, I'm not even going to list a whole load of rom-coms, but you you all know the ones I'm I'm thinking of. Um, 
but you're uh, yeah I, I don't know again if it's because it it has that element of nastiness to it where so that doesn't you know it's almost not nice enough to be a rom-com because it's dealing with something um like domestic abuse in in a very um upfront way it's not like it happens off screen this happened he tries to strangle her multiple times he hits her you know it's it's very um prevalent hmm. Uh, so I don't know if it's that that has kind of made this drop off a little bit. I do. I mean, I, d- I don't think it flows amazingly well, mm-hmm. I'll be honest. And I, I think there are some bits where I thought the dialogue was maybe a little bit too cutesy for what was going on. And I wanted there, I wanted bits of it to be a bit more grown up. I think there was a bit actually when Sally was writing the letter and I was like, oh, God, what is this? <laughs> this is so dirty. And then, obviously, the payoff is the fact that that's the reason, essentially, why um, the policeman falls in love with her through reading this But it letter. does read a little bit like a 13-year-old's letter, it does. doesn't it? It really does. Yeah. It's incredibly, like, childish. I mean, I would have written that, like, in my diary, maybe. But the fact that, you know, she was, as you say, a mother of two, writing to her sister this is just a bit, a bit over the top. I don't know. Um, so I think for for kind of those reasons, which is a shame because I think it's the performances that really elevate this, mm. and it's quite sad that people haven't like not enough people have seen Sandra Bullock at ha- absolute best, being like thrown against a wall and snogged. <laughs> yeah, that that's her best performance. <laughs> I was gonna say you you touch a little bit on the performances, but do you wanna? Talk a bit more about what did you think about the dynamic between yeah. Nicole and Sandra. So, so interestingly, and in a weird coincidence, I was reading this article today, I think it was just on BuzzFeed, about um, sisters in movies. I think it was more specifically twins, um, but also sisters, actually, or siblings. And it was saying that in almost, like, in so many things, especially in the 90s, um, when you see siblings on screen they often fall into this category of one being like the sort of the good one and one being like the rebellious one and um and they had like so many quite interesting examples so in the look of one kind of dressing in a very risque kind of way and the other one being much more reserved and you know you can see that so much it was so interesting that I read that today having Mm -hmm. just watched this film because this immediately falls into that category of Sally wearing these kind of floral long dresses um or sort of pajamas and pigtails yeah when Gillian is like in a tight mini skirt running away with a dude exactly with a leather jacket yeah breasts and snake tattoos and everything so yeah I thought it was really interesting that you know this falls into that category of um these two sisters almost like played off each other because there's not room for two sexy girls or you know there's not Mm -hmm. room for two girl next door they have to be completely different because that's how dynamic on film works right it's like the opposites attract thing and that's not just uh in terms of sexual relationships but also with siblings and mother and daughter relationships as well um there always has to be that tension between fit you know not not wanting to go down the same path Mm. with everything that you do which makes sense of course that's where the drama lies and everything after they'd had this uh row um about the fact that you know essentially Gillian had made sally kill her boyfriend Mm -hmm. um just big favor yeah 
I mean, yeah, she should have been a bit more grateful. Um, and she was a bit sort of pathetic about it and was like, oh, you need to sort this out. You need to help me. And she's like, no, fucking sort out your own mess. Um, and then she goes back and she sees her being possessed and she like runs to her, puts her arm around her, holds her, and then physically is trying to protect her from like then till the end of the film when they're in the circle and everything. I thought that was like a really like lovely, touching, again, maternal moment. But it's, it's always that sort of dynamic of one having to look after the other in terms of sisters. Like there is, the, and always that, that's a thing in film, isn't it? There's always these tropes of, the, especially when parents are absent, mm-hmm. that um, one sibling has to be the 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 parental figure yeah. I suppose you even see that even in both the versions of Sabrina with Zelda and Hilda yeah yeah I think again just like the emphasis on the ending of all the these women coming together mm-hmm. something it had been so sort of centered around these sisters mm-hmm. but it, it was like the, the sort of sharing the love thing and about women coming together and sisterhood and coven and I really thought that was a lovely ending to the film i think it worked really nicely and then at the end when they also embrace themselves as witches and they put on the show which you know in hindsight you might think oh maybe is that problematic as well yeah potentially where they sort of dress up as stereotypical witches yeah and they jump off of the the roof of their house but also it's it's you know you can laugh at it's like them sort of laughing at the stereotype of a witch because we know that that's not actually what they do and Mm. how they dress and they're almost laughing at the fact that the other villages have sort of thought of them in that way for so long i love that you refer to them as villagers villagers yeah (laughs) with their pitchforks (laughs) (laughs) you know it's like the angry mop gone good Mm. isn't it I think is is just like you don't see that. I think this just, I think this flips on its head so many tropes that we see in horror, which I really liked, and it does it in quite a subtle way. It doesn't shout about it. Like for example, well, just like that, like you know, the the idea of the angry mob. When you see people coming around, it's never really en masse. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? It sort of like takes like one or two friends or people on the periphery to sort of come into the circle and this is all done en masse all together um and again like hardly any male characters apart from the policeman and jimmy like the good the bad like the angel and the devil quite literally yeah so one of the things that keeps coming up in these films and series is the idea that a witch because it's an empowered female figure must choose between the power or her powers, mm. what, whichever way they're manifested, or love. Mm-hmm. What do you think practical magic as a horror rom-com adds to that conversation? Um, I, you know, I was thinking about this question on the bus and I had like quite a good answer and I was like, should I write it down? I was like, nah, I'll remember. I can't fucking remember. <laughs> um, <laughs> so Sally has to go on like such a journey with her magic as much as she does with her relationships mm-hmm. um and the fact that she sees them as like pitted against each other is is quite obvious and the reasons for that are quite obvious 
because she blames magic for the death of her father and the death of her husband. But And then also blames the magic for bringing her this perfect man. But the bit that really made me well up was when policeman Gary sort of talks about, says about how love, like he, he wished for the love as well, or like he wished for... He wished for he her. He wished for her, yeah. And so... This little shot of a little boy riding a pony oh the other way God. around. Oh, stop it. But just like the but the but the magic of love about you know, that brings together love and magic. That moment. And how That's so fucking it does cheesy. It, it's so fucking <laughs> cheesy, but it does, right? Like it's not pitted against each other anymore because in that moment love and magic is intertwined because love is magic. And magic is love. I can't take it seriously after you just said that. <laughs> this is a horror podcast, Rihanna. Don't get me on a fucking you horror can't podcast. Say then. shit like that. I'm always looking for the magic of love in everything that I watch. <laughs> and I gave you a film that's literally a magic rom com. Right. <laughs> I just love that it was coming from like this quite like butch policeman. It's <laughs> <laughs> like my heart melted. It's so cute. Anyway, basically, um, she has to. She has to. She goes on quite a horrific journey with her powers because we see what her powers can do, i.e., resurrect a man who is evil and um, which nearly kills her sister again through his spirit. But then embracing that banishes him. I mean. Yeah, it is a real roller coaster with her powers, but I think she, because she runs through all of them, that she comes out the other end, obviously realizing that she doesn't have to pit them against each other anymore. Just gonna have it all. Yeah, yeah. Of course they can. A little bit yeah. of witch in all of us, right? <laughs> I mean, I can't answer that seriously. That is in the film. That's a direct quote. I know. <laughs> I know. So I obviously can't talk objectively about this film at all i don't think you can talk objectively about any film in general but <laughs> having come to it for the first time in 2020 would yeah. you recommend people seek it out yes do you know what i feel like i've the more i've talked about it talking about it has made me like it more um i think in my knee jerk was like it was a bit dated and a bit cheesy but that i love the performances and the chemistry and like the generational thing and the generational thing of women and all it, all that that says um, I really loved that but overall I did think it was a bit sort of a bit clunky and a bit dated but actually if you're looking for it you can find so much you can find so much in the rom-com elements and in the horror I mean it's you know horror but also like the domestic abuse like it's there's some serious stuff in there there's some there's, real life horror and some supernatural horror yeah and it has a lot to say actually which i think people dismiss rom-coms especially um as not having mess a message or being fluffy whereas like you know horror is always kind of talking about like the world and what's going on socially and this i don't know this kind of is so relevant still with me too and everything that's been happening in the news that uh I think it's still really important that women watch it. Fantastic. <laughs> Thank you so much. I'm so glad I, made, I showed you this film. I am. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for just introducing me to all these fucking hot men and a hot Sandy Bullock as well. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not forget hot Nicole Kidman as well. Yes. She's just not my type. 
Okay, <laughs> I'm gonna end this here. <laughs> just ruined this friendship forever. <laughs> I'm into brunettes. What can I say? <laughs> Thank you so much for watching it Thank and for you. talking to me about it. Thanks. Thanks for having me. And that's it for another episode of the Final Girls podcast. Please do rate and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. We're everywhere. You can find out more about what we do on thefinalghost.co.uk and follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at thefinalghost.uk. You can also follow Rihanna on Twitter at Rihanna Dillon, and I am on Anna B. Demented. Thank you for listening, and stay tuned for more witchy goodness next week. Thank you.